HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. For more information, visit mofad.org. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Brooklyn Kitchen, a cooking store located at 100 Frost Street in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Join me every Wednesday as I talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. Please take a moment to like the show on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you happen to listen to it. And if you have any questions, you can reach me via email, harry at thebrooklynkitchen.com. And you can follow me on social media at thefoodballer. Today's episode number 47 of Feast Your Ears, and I'm really glad to have Michael Trost here today to talk to us about Ace Coffee Company. Uh, a, I don't know, how old is Ace, Mike? Uh, really about <clears throat> maybe two years now I've been doing it. So about a two-year-old coffee company based in Long Island. Uh, Mike is also a server, a dad, packaging designer, print designer, um, and he and his partner, Brian Lentini, run uh, Ace Coffee Company, and uh, they've been t- sort of filtering their way into the New York area. So you may see it around, and uh, here to talk about it today. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for being. Thanks for having me. So, what do you do? Like, what do, you know? If you meet somebody on the street, if you're riding on the train and you see someone that you know, you know, drinking a drinking a coffee, and you want to tell them about Ace or whatever, and you get into a conversation, and they say, "Mike, what do you do? What do you say?" Uh, basically, say our our mantras. We wing it. We really <laughs> we're kind of making it up as as we're going along. It's. You know, it's, it's such a new, cold brew is such a new thing that really to try to find the information about it when we started was really hard. It was, you know, trying to, talking to food labs and talking, trying to, you know, with licensing and permitting and everything was very, nobody knew. Like, it was like the Wild West you talked to, you know, Cornell Food Labs and like, we don't know. So the whole thing is, we're just basically winging it. We, you know, bought a coffee roaster, like we'd never roasted coffee before. Like, okay, how hard can it be? Like, let's really go for it and kind of. You know, my partner's doing it full-time, and I still have my day job, and we just committed, and it's full speed ahead, and, you know, hey, take all my credit cards, and right. keep swiping them, <laughs> and, and hoping one day it pays off. And So to clarify, Ace really, at its the forefront, is a cold brew company, but you guys also are now doing your own beans, right? Yeah, correct. We're, we're you know, hoping 
to one day elevate the, our, our bean program into having that, you know, be the bulk of our business. But the cold brew really is, is where, where we shine because it's, it's really, really good. <laughs> it is really good. I've had it. Um, what, uh, what led to, what led to ACE as a company? I mean, was it like, you know, did the, did the lightning bolt hit you in the head one morning in the shower and you thought, Oh my God, this is it. I got to start a cold brew company. Uh, I just was making, making a lot of coffee and people really always enjoyed it. And I mean, advertising is my, is my day job and I've seen people around me get really extremely filthy rich on products that I don't truly believe in so it's kind of it was that that was a lightning bolt like hey why am i doing this for somebody else why should i do it for myself and you know took what i learned in 20 years of advertising and applied it to to my own product and it's it's fun you know we just really we know where we can cut costs and we know what you know focus on quality focus on on just being a real product and so what sets Ace apart, say, from other cold brews in the market? I'm not going to name them. This isn't about, like, saying we're better than anybody else. But, you know, what's different? If someone opens up a, opens up a, a, a bottle of Ace, what are they going to find inside that's different? I mean, we, we, we came at it, like I said, we, we're winging it, so we're not coffee nerds. And a lot of the stuff out there is very, and most of it's really good. If it's, if it's made it on shelf and people like it, it's good. It tastes good, and it's like anybody in the in the segment is just helping all of us yep. you know, and any, anybody who's out there. It's really, I mean, you know, Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks helped more than anything because now they're advertising sure. cold brew and once somebody drinks, they're like, oh, this is pretty good. And then they taste another one like, oh, wait, this is, much, this is much better. Like, you know, so it's, that's, if people are starting with Dunkin' Donuts and they'll gravitate to us and it's, it's a win for everybody. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it's, it's certainly a growing segment from the retail side, from the Brooklyn kitchen. You know, we started with one cold brew brand and then... I thought, okay, you know, then we were approached by someone else who had a bottled cold brew, and I was like, all right, I think we could have two, and then you guys came along, and then we had three, and I think at our height this past summer, I think we had four cold brew brands on the shelf, and it didn't seem to hurt the business at all to have that choice. I think people, um, you know, while they may have a certain amount of brand loyalty, I also think that, you know, especially in the ready-to-drink beverage world, you know, you see people, I guess, who drink a Diet Coke every day, but I feel like it's a little bit different in the coffee segment where you don't necessarily want the exact same thing every day at the same time. Yeah, and then, and, you know, it's, it's also, it's like craft beer. You know, once you graduate from Bud Light to a better beer, you go to a bodega, go to a deli, you look at the craft beer section, and you're like, if your brand's not there, you're like, oh, let me try this, let me try that. And it's, right. if it's there and it's good, then you're, you know, it's... It, it's, it's just better for everybody. And then going back to, you know, how do you approach people about it? It's, you know, hey, try this, try this out. Right. I give them a sticker, like, yeah. you know, card and chit chat and see if somebody really likes coffee and see if somebody really likes, you know, they really like it, then they like it. It's, you know, it's a... To be fair, there's a lot of us that need it. I mean, you are, it is drugs, right? You're, you guys yeah. are dealing drugs, essentially. Pretty much. You know, it's like I, I have two kids. My partner's got three kids. And like I have, this is, I have two, two jobs and I freelance. So this, I basically have three jobs, two kids. And like, you know, it's, it's yeah, I need the energy. So I'd probably. So it's fueling your life, actually, in fact. Not your bank account yet, but. No, it's, it's, it's a drain on one and a, and a, and a yeah, <laughs> fuel for the other. Um, and what. Um, you guys brew your coffee a little bit different, right, than a lot of people? Yeah, we and we, we go really super fresh. We go, you know, if somebody orders it, we try to have orders in by Monday, and we're brewing on Tuesday and delivering on Wednesday. So it's really, 
we have it super tightened up and and we uh you know a, a couple of pr- proprietary things we've done just through testing and it's you know a lot of the we've eschewed the nitro like we kind of i don't know it's all malarkey i think but <laughs> it, you know we, 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 we tried it we tried it to death and people really wanted it and it just doesn't it doesn't add anything so it's you know we're so right now is your coffee available it's available in kegs and in bottles kegs bottles gallons like you know if you want to just come in and put it in your hands and drink it that way you can do that and, <laughs> and where's your facility uh we're in patchogue out in long island cool and that's where you grew up right yeah i grew up in port jeff so it's it's right there my partner grew up out, out there so it's and i have a I have a house out there so we we kind of it's it's pretty central and it's a lot cheaper it'd, it'd be, be nice to be in brooklyn or queens but it's just kind of unrealistic right now well it's also you know it seems like it's nice to be bringing a bringing a factory or bringing manufacturing to a place you grew up right you're keeping sort of the hometown long island pride exactly and you know it's it's uh you know there's a, a lot a lot less restrictions to, to business out there you know, and so you kind of split your time right you have a house you live in williamsburg mm-hmm. and then you have a house in mastic beach yeah correct right? yeah and it's it's uh it was funny growing up out there. Like, everyone's Massive Beach is like, oh, it's like you know, it's kind of it's like Brooklyn with backyards. Like it's really it's it's you know working class. It's a lot of, you know, it's it's not, you know, it's it's not the nicest place. But it, and again, it's the nicest place in the world. We go there every weekend, and I'm like, I love this. I want to live here. And you know, my family's out there all summer, and it's like I spend as much time as possible there. And, but it hasn't really been discovered yet, right? It's not not like Rockaway. No, it's it's great. I mean, it's it's kind of like Rockaway with, with bigger yards. I mean, that's really kind of I mean, without the subway. You know, it's kind of it's it's kind of great. Like I've really, if if I didn't have kids in school, I'd probably live there full time. Now I know that you also uh, are into you like board sports. You're skateboard, mm-hmm. surf, snowboard. Um, did you grow up surfing on Long Island? I did. I, I grew up skateboarding more and, and snowboarding more, and started surfing when I was like probably 16 17 so yeah it's a you know people are like oh you're from new york and you surf and you snowboard and like yeah it's an island and there's winter here it's kind of <laughs> it's not that much of a stretch but snowboarding i mean you know you have to go pretty far from long island right and new jersey it's yeah not, it's like 45 minutes or an hour so oh that's not that's not that's not as bad as i thought when i was a kid growing up in westchester i felt like going skiing or snowboarding was always such a haul and it you know I feel like it was always like, oh, you got to go to Vermont, you got to go to you know New Hampshire, Massachusetts, something like that. It was always Hunter. <laughs> we didn't we didn't do a lot of skiing in my family when I was growing up. So um, you've done a lot of food packaging design, right? Yep. Aside from print design, um, do you have any favorites that you've worked on? Mm, not really. I mean, it's kind of you know, again, it's like when you're you're act- actively marketing unhealthy things to certain segments of the population you don't feel good about it even if it comes out good so you're not jaded about it at all no <laughs> you know it's 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 when you're you're pushing you know high fructose sugar water and telling kids it's better for them than water and more hydrating it's kind of it just kind of hurts a little bit it stings it's like a moral dilemma that i had so so when it came time to design the packaging and the branding for ace were there things that you knew you absolutely didn't want either color-wise, font-wise, shape-wise? We just wanted to make it as cheap as possible. Like, cheap <laughs> and easy, because really, you know, it's, it's... And it sets us apart on shelf a little bit, because there's... Everybody does that, like, a very apothecary, over-designed, and it's, it's a lot of really good design and really good typography out there. And uh, we just wanted it as simple as possible. So, you know, really, it's like, hey, how cheap can I make this? I'm using stock bottles, I'm using cheap stock labels, and everything's locally sourced, and 
just to be able to cut the cost there and put the quality back into the coffee. Yeah, and I think I mean I think you guys have a very simple you have a very simple logo and you have a name that sets you apart. Um, I also, when it first hit the shelf, I sort of started thinking about you know remember the days of the yellow pages. We're old enough to remember the yellow mm-hmm. pages. Nobody you know a lot of young people don't, but you know you used to see lots of brands that would have like their name start with an A, so mm-hmm. they'd be in the front. Uh, at the top of the listings, and you'd have you know AAA cleaning and stuff because they were the ones who'd show up first when you looked up cleaning. And so I mean, that sort of made me think of that when I saw you guys. I was like, oh, Ace, great! They're going to be in the they'll be at the top. So if there's ever a listing of cold brew, you guys will be at the top. Yeah, pretty much. I and mean, the you know we, we we had some back and forth. Like partners, like oh, I hate the name, and I was like, it's fun. And my son really was he. It was kind of his prodding which got us to you know we we're talking about names, and he's a. a He's like a little card shark. He likes to cheat at cards, and he always takes. He always takes the. He calls it his powerful ace. He takes his little the ace ace of spades and hides it. So when we play cards, all of a sudden it comes out, and he's like he tries to like bottom deal and like pull it off from his sleeve and stuff. And it's really funny and really kind of criminal. And um, so that was where it came, kind of came from. Was that his? You know, it was like ace. He's like 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 how about this name? And like my wife was like how about this name? And I was like ah, it kind of sucks. And he's like both like kind of didn't. Like, it's too generic it's to this to that and it kind of it kind of grew on us a little bit and then it ends ends up where we both now love it so it's kind of a you know it's, it's one of those it's like it's a, it's a it's a fun genesis instead of you know we were trying to like name it after one of us or name it after something we like to do and it just was like it was almost trying too hard <laughs> so yeah we we're trying to figure you know combinations of names and this and that and, and it just didn't it never never stuck so and this one kind of stuck and it just ran with it cool and uh are the kids involved at all do you take them to the factory do you make them grind beans do you make them package stuff sometimes uh, brian does a lot more than me because he's out there doing it full time so his his kids definitely have a lot more factory time than mine but the the kids kind of like staying there because they get to you know play on their ipads and and then play with machinery and you know skateboard around the place and it's it's kind of a, a a fun place for i guess you know a seven and eight year old to be well, I think when they, when they all get a little older, I mean, you guys already have then that's like having five employees, right? Oh yeah, it's great. And then we probably don't need workman's comp on them. Right? No, nope, you don't have to pay them as much. They live in the part of the family and everything. They got room and board already. It's exactly. no problem. And you pay me to work here. Uh, we're going to take a, a short break here, and uh, when we come back, I want to talk a little more about uh, about Ace Coffee, and I want to talk about how you learn to cook. All right, great. Music for this commercial break is brought to you by Taxstar, and this track is called Pianissimo Short. Hi, this is Peter Kim, the executive director of MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. We're a nonprofit founded by Dave Arnold, the host of Cooking Issues here on the Heritage Radio Network, and we want to take people on a learning adventure through the world of food. We just opened MOFAD Lab, our gallery space at 62 Bayard Street in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where we are currently showing Flavor, Making It and Faking It. Flavor features some very cool sensory interaction. Flavor tablets deliver tastings of vanilla and umami, and the Willy Wonka-inspired smell synth lets you compose over half a million different flavors. So come on by and visit MOFAD Lab. We're open five days a week, and tickets are $5 for kids and $10 for adults. Learn more about the Museum of Food and Drink at mofad.org. Thank you. 
Welcome back to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum. And joining me in the studio today has been and is uh, Mike Trost of Ace Coffee Company. Before the break, we were talking about Ace, and I wanted to talk a little bit about the Ace uh, social media feed, which I really like. I recommend everybody follow it. Uh, Ace Coffee Co., right? C-O? Yeah. And uh, you guys have a great thing going where pretty much every day, right, you post a picture of coffee with someone and it's always somebody famous usually actor famous skateboarder race car driver somebody drinking a cup of coffee right yeah yeah it's it's a really it's it's kind of and it's it's fun because it's it's myself and my partner doing it and we neither of us knows when either one's posting something so sometimes it'll be like so you guys don't have a plan out no plan and it you know it'll be like an instagram clog you know we see whatever pops in our mind all of a sudden uh, you know we one of our things too is we like to do random future ace delivery vehicles because we really like crappy cars both of us love the bizarre crappy old car that if we ever make money from this we're going to have a warehouse full of crappy old cars so it's kind of our <laughs> we're not joking about it it's you know we want like weird volvos and sobs and you know bizarre off-model mopars from the 70s and kind of just fun stuff so every time we see something in the street like oh look at this look at this and it's you know some random surfer's birthday you know some photographer's work and we just there's kind of no no plan to it, which makes it really fun and, and kind of alive. What I really love about the future ace, and it's a hashtag, right? It's yeah. The hashtag is future ace delivery vehicle. Um, what I really like about that one is that sometimes you guys repost ones that other people send you. Mm-hmm. So it has this sort of like further reach where people who follow ace will see a neat car or a weird truck and they'll send it to you. And then you guys repost. There was one the other day. I think it was like two antique like pickup trucks from the mm-hmm. 20s or something on a trailer. And a lot of them, I will say, you know, and I, I mean, this is I think this is kind of cool. A lot of them seem to be from when Brian is either stuck in traffic or driving on the LIE yeah. to deliver. Yeah, exactly. And it's like or in the street delivering. We're like, oh, look at this. Look at this. Like, And it's it's like, a you know, he we joke about that. He brings traffic like traffic follows him. And, and it's it's kind of. <laughs> It's funny, but it's not. But I, I laugh about it because I'm not sitting in traffic. And so what is the current Ace Delivery vehicle? I'd say, uh, I don't even know what year it is. It's a 90, maybe like a, a 90 G30. It was an old fire, an old fire truck van. So it's a diesel G30 van that is full of coolers. Because so, we don't have money for a refrigerated truck right now. <laughs> And, I mean, do you think that part of the sort of future based on that branding, do you think you would just have a bunch of random weird vehicles that you'd eventually put coolers in? I, I think so, if we can. You know, we, we were ch- talking about how can we refrigerate station wagons. We wanted to sure. ref- we wanted to refer, like, you know, a 240 wagon. But we're like, oh, oh, it, be it probably won't carry that much weight. But we we're trying to figure out how to do it. I don't know. You could probably, <laughs> I mean, I bet you you can get heavier springs for that. Yeah, it was, it, that's that's on there this winter. We're going to try to do it. <laughs> Refrigerated Volvo 240 wagon. Yeah. I like that. Plus, so we can, that we, we can use the parkways to deliver which is nice oh that's a really good idea um although then you I, can you i guess you can probably get away with it even if you don't have your company name on the side yeah. right yeah well yeah. No, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have commercial plates on that then got it we probably get classic plates on seven or eight of them and <laughs> <laughs> just trade that'd be i think that would be good i think a fleet of volvo 240 delivery vehicles mm-hmm. would be really would be really nice Maybe like a, a P eighteen hundred, a reefer P eighteen hundred. I just I saw a P eighteen hundred ES, the the shooting brake version, the two door wagon recently, or the uh, a, a boat tail Riviera would make a great reefer vehicle. <laughs> I think that's I think that's a great idea. 
Um, so yes, everyone should follow um, and check that out. Um, the the morning coffee with series, I think, is a really it's a good one. And and I have to say, following you guys, um, I mean, Brian works crazy hours. I mean, I get it as an entrepreneur, you're sort of always working, but I feel like he is posting either super late at night or super early in the morning, kind of all the time. So I mean, hats off to him for really like yeah, yeah. being in the factory all the time while you're you know hanging out in Brooklyn. Yeah, he he loves it. His wife loves it even more. <laughs> He's out of the house, not not hanging around, huh? <laughs> so then, how often are you out there? So you've got a you've got a nine to five, right? Monday to Friday. Yeah, here? It's, it's more like a nine to seven. So okay. I'm, I'm that here, and then whatever you know, business work I'm doing, then at night or in the morning. So yeah, both of us were you know, we're probably about twelve hours a day, which is really fun. Well, yeah, but, I mean, you have a whole another twelve hours. It is. It's not that bad. Yes. Not, a big, not a big deal. Um, and so, uh, tell me about your kids. You got Jack and Nikita. Yeah, they're, they're actually for sale. If anyone wants them, but it's 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 a it's a package deal. Let's take both of them. Yeah, they're 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 funny. They they crack me up. So they they're uh, they're seven and eight, and it's it's kind of why I'm doing all this. Because if if I didn't have them, I don't think I'd be here, and I definitely wouldn't be in New York. And I, you know, g- giving them the opportunity to grow up here is, is really is really good. It's kind of rewarding that you, know, you you realize like when you go somewhere else, and you're like, wow, these kids have everything at their fingertips, and there's no they don't see anything the world except for what it is which is really great yeah you know they're not growing up with any sort of like bias or you know even if your parents aren't biased there's some people around you are biased and in new york you don't have it's just not here right so it's kind of it's kind of a great thing and they're they're both in dual language spanish and you know they and it's 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 fun it's really you know kind of you know i, I grew up 40 miles away from where i'm sitting and it's it's i couldn't be as far away from from where they're growing up so it's right it's, it's, it's a good thing. Um, what do they like to eat? Um, well, the girl has got the worst palate in the world. It's, you know, p- pizza and pizza, mac and cheese, fried chicken, and yeah, kid stuff. But yeah. uh, it's tough because my son's gluten-free, which really sucks because he's actually gluten-free, not just made up gluten-free. And so now everything she likes is full of gluten. So trying to figure out how to cook it. And have it taste good for the whole family to eat. So I'm not making, I'm not like a short order cook. Like right. I was cooking like three meals, four meals for everybody, you know, do whatever I could do. And, and now I'm actually, I've got a few things worked out that are super killer. I can do like killer, like Belgian waffles that are gluten-free that are taste better than the regular ones. And chicken, like gluten-free panko chicken, which actually tastes better than the regular stuff. And I'm starting to figure it out and work it out. So my, my, my bread's my next thing to, to try to tackle. Bread? Gluten-free? Yeah, it's really hard. Yeah. That's a tough one. It never comes out right. Um, and what do you what do you give them for lunch? I was thinking about this the other day because this year now now that both of mine are in school, every night I'm making lunch before I go to bed, so it's done for the next day. And you know, it's just like it's a never ending stream of some days. Peanut butter sandwiches. I can't do it though. Frank Frank's Frank's allergic to peanuts. That's all. That's all they want, both of them. Yeah, I mean, Moxie would eat peanut butter sandwiches all day long. We're on the fence about whether or not we keep peanut butter in the house at all. Because Frank's allergic, and you know, like that's not, yeah, the, it's not something to mess around with. Yeah, the boy will do. He's big into beans now too, so it'll be like chickpeas or hummus, and I've started making my own hummus now. So, doing like hummus and some crackers and things like that. So he's his palate's better. Like you can kind of feed him whatever, and he'll eat it. You know, he gets he's excited about steak. He's excited about sausage. He's excited, and they're super into animals, like eating animals. Like they don't. You know, <laughs> we tell them like this is pig, this is cow. Like they know they understand that. 
the other day I went to I, I went to meet Moxie's teacher, uh, and up on the wall it was you know what do you want to be when you grow up and there was a, there was something about you know Moxie really wants to be a veterinarian and she's like I want to protect all the animals and I said so are you going to become a vegetarian and she turned to me and she said no 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 I want to protect all the wild animals. <laughs> That makes sense. So, yeah, there's definitely the, you know, they're starting to have that comprehension that, like, you know, we do take a life, but, you know, hopefully we, we treat it right and, yeah, and you know, it, and they taste honor good. it. And they taste, they do taste good. It's <laughs> definitely, definitely true. Yeah, they, we, we go out, we run the North Fork a lot, and there's the one farm we go to, it's uh, it's this da- little dairy farm up in, uh, I think it's like Aquabog or Riverhead, and they have, you see the, the baby cows be born, and so, you know, it's awesome. It's a raw milk, raw milk farm. And um, they, so the kids understand that, like, this small cow that's really cute that they get to pet and, and feed that they're going to eat one day. And Jack's right. kind of, he's really okay with it. And same with pigs. You know, we see the pigs and we see them yep. hanging out. And guys like, you know, yeah, that's the one we're going we're gonna to butcher them and eat them. And the kids are really okay with it because they both really like to eat pork. Well, I think there's something to be said for, I mean, if you have that understanding from a young age, it's very different than not having, like, having the weird separation that I feel like, you know, for a long time this country, you know, has had and a lot of countries have had between meat and animal Mm -hmm. and, like, not having the, you know, like, knowing what a pork chop is and what part of the body that is of the pig changes your relationship to that, whereas if you just see it packaged or on a plate... It's not the same. Yeah, and it's a, you know, we, we really try to, you know, shop very, I mean, it's, in, in Brooklyn, it's easy to do it, so when you go to Long Island, it's a little harder to, you know, say, like, hey, we're going to go to the butcher for the meat, we're going to go to the other spot for the cheese, we're going to go to, you know, another, another place for our vegetables, another place for our fish, and it's, it's they see that now, instead of saying, like, going to the supermarket and doing all your shopping, they they understand where kind of their food comes from, and we where our house is, we're right right by the bay, so we'll go and fish, and we'll go get crabs or, yeah. or snapper and stuff. And and they, you know, basically you pull a snapper out, and they watch you cut the head off and, and gut it, and they're okay with that. They're not like, oh, my God, you killed this fish. Yep. You know, oh, my God, you're going to kill this crab. They're like, kill the crabs. You want to eat them. Right. You know, <laughs> we're hungry. We're hungry. Get them. <laughs> Throw them in a pot. Like, you know. Yeah, I mean, my kids are definitely, you know, their mind was blown when we were on vacation in Maine, and we went into the supermarket, and they were like, what is this place? It's so big. And I was big like, yeah, are. this is, <laughs> you can drive a truck inside. <laughs> Where's all the dirt? <laughs> um, one of the questions in my in my pre-show uh, questionnaire to you was, um, you know, if you could have dinner with anyone, who would it be? And uh, you said you'd have dinner with Hunter Thompson. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. What would you cook for him? Um... I don't know. I've, I've I've seen his his menu before. What he used to like eat when when he went and and wrote, and it was like, wake up, do like an eight ball, like go <laughs> eat two hamburgers, drink some whiskey, do another eight ball. And it's a very like you know, it would just be, it wouldn't be about the food. It would just be about the company. You know, it's like somebody who's, you know, or like be a fun at like, you know, Kurt Vonnegut or somebody who's just re- super interesting that you would like be able to hang out with him and be like oh my god these guys are awesome you know yeah. be like if i eat mcdonald's with them it'd be like hey if ernest hemingway called me up came back from the dead and was like i'm gonna eat mcdonald's i'd be like okay right no right problem. sure you wouldn't turn down hemingway if he wanted a big mac yeah. right <laughs> so you know it's that like it's somebody who's just that you know like the most interesting man in the world would come up to you and, and have dinner with you like whatever you want to eat it doesn't matter but you know it's like if you had to pick a culinary meal it'd be hard you know yeah yeah, I mean, I, it'd be interesting to know, like, what he would choose, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think about that sometimes, like, if I could have, like, you know, hang out with Bukowski, but, like, that would probably be just, like, drinking a 12-pack of beer 
yeah. and like smoking a bunch of cigarettes. <laughs> like it wouldn't be a meal, <laughs> but it is a meal. <laughs> Um, you have siblings? Uh, yes, I have a younger brother and younger sisters. So. And uh, are they in the? Are they? Do they have? Are they in the, the 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 visual, the food, the drink world? No, no, not at all. It's a. Uh, we we didn't really grow up in the the visual and and food world, so it's kind of like everything that you know where where I am in in with this is is all self taught and self learned. So it's kind of a. It's it's kind of a fun way to do it. There's no. There's, there's like no 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 pretense about where sure. where anything was you know sure. it's not like hey so and so cooks this or you know mom cooks this better and there's none of right. that right it's like wow there was you know I, I used to obsess over the um i got one of the uh, what's it the america's test kitchen cookbook sure and it, it broke down scientifically how everything was made and i kind of obsessed over it i'd get really ripped <laughs> and and learn how to make things and then obsess and and try to learn it and nail it and i figured you know every time you you learn a new recipe it's you're going to screw it up three times or it's going to come out perfect. Yeah. So, and I, I got hyper obsessive about not overcooking anything and about like, you know, picking my produce right and picking my meat right and, and learning how when something was done and, you know, meat thermometers. And I was really obsessed about it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it is a matter of that kind of like that practice and, and obsessing over it. I mean, I feel, you know, as, as someone who also has his own business, I think that there's a, there's a lesson there about also how to approach business, right? Cause mm-hmm. there's a certain amount of it you just have to do yeah. and you learn it by doing it's tactile and it's experiential and you learn to make the right decisions. And a lot of times more, more than making the right ones, you probably make the wrong ones, but you try to sort of build your knowledge on the base and kind of come out come out ahead um you know but definitely i think there there is something to be said for the sort of bootstrapping it and like figuring it out like being like let's just buy a coffee roaster and figure it out and we kind of you know you sort of force the issue right you had to start roasting really good coffee because you had a coffee roaster yeah because we had this bill this, this, <laughs> what else were you going to do with it this big fat credit card bill i was paying on it and it's like <laughs> i couldn't go and ask somebody how to you know have some contract roast for us anymore because we couldn't afford it so right. it was like here okay green coffee's this much and Man, I have, we have to figure this thing out. And like we we plumbed it ourselves and piped it ourselves and did everything ourselves and wasn't even, you know, we we make a joke too. It's like we both have our Google degrees and like and, and, and <laughs> my Google engineering degree, my Google like fluid dynamics degree, my Google <laughs> business degree, and it's you know, it's it, with the internet now, it's all possible. Like you can really research the hell out of everything and kind of learn from other people's mistakes. Whereas before, people were a little more guarded with with this knowledge. Sure. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I mean, that you, you know, you would have had to hire someone else in or, you know, you couldn't just look up how to, how to fix it. How do I do the timing chain on my car? How do I, you know, mm-hmm. how do I do this thing? You had to have that knowledge. Yeah. And how, how do I, you know, how do this? And you, you take that step. So you're kind of prepping for it. And now, you know, it's, we, we've made up so many mistakes and, but each mistake is like, Oh, that was 500 bucks. That sucks. But it was only 500 bucks. It wasn't 50,000. Right. You know, Oh, it was this, like we had, you know, one of our, our first batches for a huge order, we filled it and something happened where we we got a new tank and it got you know something happened and it just didn't taste right so we basically dumped i think we dumped like 40 cases of coffee and you know at when we were first starting it's up rough. it was rough you know we yeah. had like you know 355 gallon drums of coffee that we dumped and it was our bottled and everything we're like this is terrible like dumped it out so i was like shit that was two thousand dollars in beans we just threw out right. but it was better than twenty thousand dollars or better than delivering it yeah and right, then, and losing all the customers. And then having someone say, this is terrible, what happened? So yeah. we, we figured it out and went back, and it was kind of a setback, but we also learned from it. And it kind of 
changed our process a little bit where it made it better. So it was, yeah. it was worth it was two grand well spent then. Yeah, totally. Well, we're just about out of time, but um, just want to make sure that people know where to find you. So you can you can find out more about Ace Coffee at you can follow at Ace Coffee Co on uh, on Instagram, and you can check out uh, www.acecoffee.co. Mm-hmm. Um, to find out more and where can people buy uh, coffee? Brooklyn kitchen, of course, <laughs> where else? Um, it's tough. We do a lot of our accounts now. We do a lot of, uh, office and commercial distribution. So if you're uh, listening in an office and you want office. cold brew, check these guys out. But we do a lot of, there's a lot of small stores in Long Island. If you go, we have a stockist page on our website. That's a, a, a good place to see. And it's our website needs some help, but that's on my ever-growing list of things to do you'll get to that after your like 10 hours of work at work and then after you're putting your kids to bed and making them dinner and after doing the dishes and then you'll have some time to work exactly well i'm hiding in the dark in my 500 square foot apartment so my kids can go to sleep (laughs) well thanks mike it's been it's been a pleasure to have you on the show um thanks everybody for listening to feast your ears today big thank you to Kristen baylor my producer here and to uh, Heritage Radio Network. You can find Feast Your Ears as well as lots of other great shows at heritageradionetwork.org and on iTunes. And you can follow me on Instagram at The Foodballer. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.